0: Second Timothy chapter 1, in the first seven verses, while you're turning there, um, you might want to think of, I usually ask quiz questions in Sunday school and stuff, so it's just a part of my nature, but I want you to think about the question of who in your spiritual journey has been an encouragement to you, and maybe you can think of an individual or two that has encouraged you along the way, and also who has discouraged you. Because if you're a growing Christian, chances are you've had some rotten eggs thrown at you and some tomatoes thrown at you and some criticism thrown your way. So maybe you can think of who discouraged you. And then that leads us to the question, who do you suppose encouraged or impacted Timothy the most? Let's see what we can learn here in these first seven verses. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. He's writing to Timothy, verse 2. My dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, And I am persuaded that in thee also, wherever I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." Tonight under Roman number one, we're gonna look at our need. We must want for others to succeed. I know it's disappointing, but these aren't alliterated tonight, so you'll just have to bear with me, okay? Roman numeral two, we're going to look at the importance of maintaining a strong faith. Roman numeral one, we want, to, we want others to succeed. Roman numeral two, we must maintain a strong faith. And then three, we must challenge, charge, and confront others, especially those we're trying to disciple and train. <coughs> Let's pray, and we'll get started. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these often-preached Texts, these often used reminders of how important it is, how important it is for us to be ready to pass the baton to another young man, another young lady, another student of the Word, to be able to, when we leave this earth, give our experiences and our knowledge and our love for you to somehow transfer that to others. Lord, you can help us in this area. So we'd ask that you help all of us to be an encouragement to those around us, and not certainly not a discouragement. And Lord, we pray that we'll be thankful tonight for those who have encouraged us along our journey and along our path of spiritual growth and development. We pray for the youth people that are in Oklahoma, I believe, tonight. We pray for the preaching that it would touch hearts and change lives. And we pray that on Saturday or Friday, whenever they return, that you'd give them a safe trip back home. Thank you again for the help you give each night in your name. Amen. Okay, well, without asking you to share answers, I can just tell you that I have a couple of pastors in particular that I still communicate with regularly and they're encouragement to me. And when I get down the dumps, when I feel like running off to Alaska, I just call them up and I say, hey, you know, I'm just disappointed. I want you to encourage me a little bit. And they do. And uh, I hope that when they're down in the dumps and they call me, I'm able to give that to them. And uh, I think all of us need somebody To mentor us. Now, certainly, as Pastor Yoder and I, we would love to be your mentor, but we also understand that there are mentors out there in the community. There are other, there are mentors in the church that you listen to a lot, that you grow from, and that you're able to encourage. And so uh, we we pray for you regularly that you will pick good mentors to help you. And, um, And then, of course, the second quiz question is who discouraged you? I don't have time to tell you all the times I've been discouraged. I was preaching once for about two weeks, and a pastor of a big, strong, fundamental church wrote me a letter and said, Forsberg, you're not cut out for preaching. Please quit this. Stop what you're doing. Don't ever pursue the ministry. Now, I don't think he understands Norwegians at all, because when you tell that to a Norwegian, that's like saying, sick him to a dog, okay? I just said, well, I'm going to prove him wrong. I'm going to stay with the stuff, okay? But it was discouraging, i got to confess to get a note or get a letter like that, you know, just to give up on God. And uh, so it's uh, it works both ways. I won't use the names of those that discourage me, but I want to tell you this. My goal is to encourage others, not to discourage them. There is so much discouragement out there. I don't need to add to the pile, okay? If you're grown, praise the Lord, keep growing, okay? I want to encourage you to come to church. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. I want to encourage you to pray. Now, the, the question that helps us with our study tonight is, who do you suppose impacted Timothy the most? Well, if you look at verse 5, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, Paul is reminded here of the great faith that Timothy has. And he says, That faith dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and then in thy mother Eunice. And Paul says, And I am persuaded that 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 faith is in you as well. And I am persuaded that in thee also. So we have really three choices here to pick from. Was it his grandmother? It's interesting that he says first in thy grandmother. You know, if you're a grandma or a grandpa, you have influence on your children and grandchildren that you don't realize. A lot of times our grandkids will listen to us and they'll slam the door on their parents. They don't want to hear from their parents, but they have a special bond with grandma and grandpa. And I don't know why that is, but the Lord has so worked that out. And so we don't want to forget that as grandparents, we can have a huge influence on our grandkids. Okay? And then he says, thy mother. And uh, I think Eunice was the kind of mother that spent time, she no doubt homeschooled, just like the dead presidents out there in western South Dakota, they were all homeschooled, you know. Amen. But anyway, Eunice was probably very diligent at teaching Timothy what she knew of the Word of God. And so he's praising the Lord. His, his grandmother encouraged him and his mother encouraged him. But I have a tendency to go with Paul because he says, and I also am persuaded that you have this great faith in thee also. I think, I think Paul adopted timothy uh where it is he calls him his son in the faith his son in the lord so somewhere along the line paul really clearly communicated the gospel to timothy and adopted him as a as a big brother can i say that paul being the Tim- big brother and timothy being the little brother and, and paul just had a super connection with this young guy at a time when it was needed you got to realize that 2,000 years ago, during this particular time, Paul's in prison. And Timothy is probably thinking, if I keep this up, maybe they'll put me in prison too. I mean, uh, Timothy is probably a little bit nervous here that since Paul has been arrested and probably will be uh, put to death before long, he's thinking, well, if I keep sharing Christ, maybe they'll do the same thing to me. And I'm just a young pup. And so Timothy has some fear going on in his life as well. And I think, I think Timothy was a tad younger than most of the people that he tried to share the gospel with. And uh, I don't know if you noticed, I, I hope Timothy Yoder doesn't feel bad. I know Mom won't feel bad. But it would be difficult to be a young boy and have your dad over here and 90% of the people in the church older than you and you're gonna to try to teach them the word of God, that, that's a difficult spot to be in. And and young Timothy here in this passage probably had some of those similar butterflies. He probably had a good bunch of nervousness going on. And that's only to be expected. But I think Paul was the one that really, that really helped. Now the title here is called Passing the Baton. And the illustration of course is in relay races it's a critical discipline to be able to exchange or pass the baton without dropping it. You all know how this works, you get four runners and they're each about a fourth of the way down the track and one starts running and he's gotta transfer the baton to the next one and the next run runs certain many yards and, they trans- and if the baton is dropped, they you use- they lose valuable seconds and there's a good chance they will lose the race. So we see the importance of you and I when we pass the baton to those younger than us, those that come after us. It's very important that we don't drop the ball. It's very important that we don't drop the baton. It's very important that we make the transfer in a wise and proper fashion. I was telling somebody, uh, Dave, just outside the church door here, I've got eight grandsons. And my goal is to give each of them a Bible that I have used during my preaching times. And I know I've got at least eight Bibles to share. But, uh, I'm hoping that a Bible from Grandpa will speak to them. I'm hoping that they'll see the notes and they'll see the jelly spots and the coffee spots and the stains and the, you know, the torn pages. But I'm hoping that will inspire them uh, to love the Word of God and to use the Word of God. But one thing's for sure, before I leave planet Earth, In the rapture or by way of death, I want to pass the legacy that I have, the lessons I've learned from Jesus, on to them without dropping the ball, without missing what needs to be done. And I want to encourage you in that same area. So first of all, what's the first thing we do to pass the baton properly? Well, we've got to want others to succeed. (coughs) Paul here in verse number one, According to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, he's writing to Timothy, my beloved son. He's asking that grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ be with him. Verse number three, he says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Paul wanted Timothy, letter A. Paul wanted Timothy to be used of God. Paul wanted Timothy to be successful. Okay? That's why he prayed for him. He says, I have in remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. I get the implication here, the idea that while Paul was in jail without a cell phone and without cable TV and without a ping pong table, he had a lot of time to pray. And I suspect that one of the people he prayed for regularly and faithfully was his young son, Timothy. He says, I pray for thee night and day. That's letter B. Paul prayed for Timothy to have grace, mercy, and peace. And that's what we need to do. We need to pray for others. We need to pray for our Timothy. We need to pray for the peace of others, not just peace for ourselves. We talked about this uh, a while back about the importance of intercessory prayer. Maybe you can think of somebody that's that looks up to you maybe you have a grandchild or a, or a nephew or a neighbor boy or a neighbor girl and they're looking up to you as a as a Eunice or a lois and and they're they're looking up to you for for leadership my, my question is are you praying for them are you praying for that young Timothy that's wanting to grow and and needed to grow are you praying for grace and mercy in their life and Are you praying for a peace that passes all understanding so they can witness and grow effectively? Letter C, Paul also treated Timothy as dearly beloved. Verse number 2, Timothy, my dearly beloved. We would call this today a kindred spirit. You know, some people I connect with real well. I resonate with them. They're very receptive to me, and I'm receptive to them, and I'm happy for those kind of people. But there are some people out there I don't have a kindred spirit with. I mean, I walk up to them and I want to talk to them and they're just, just just ignore me and go the other direction. Some people are that way. But I am so thankful for those that I feel a kindred spirit with. And Paul had that with Timothy. You're not going to be able to disciple every person in your neighborhood, but there's probably one or two that like you and will listen to you and will follow you. <coughs> I was driven to Bible camp by a grandmother in our little Lutheran church, who found that this little old Forsberg boy lives down the street, didn't have any money to make it to camp. I was about eight or nine years old. She came over, picked me up. She was well over a 100, and here I was 10 years old. Uh, she probably was 100, but you get the picture. She was, she, was, she was up there, okay? She was probably retirement age. And during that ride, I can still see myself sitting in the front seat of the car, barely, tall enough to look out the windshield or look out the side window, and every once in a while I look back at her and I'll say, what is this lady who doesn't even know, what is she doing taking me to camp, paying my way and helping me get to Lake Bronson, Minnesota? Who does that? My mother wouldn't take me. My dad didn't take me. But this lady, this lady took me. She didn't realize it, but she was being a a mentor to me. She was, she was starting to pave the way for a ministry that the Lord that I, the Lord knew I would have 20 years later, 30 years later. She was kind and she was helpful and, uh, I had a kindred spirit with her, even though we were 60 years apart in England. Those are the kind of people that we can call beloved. Letter D. Paul's relationship with Timothy was a tearful one. Verse number four. He says, I, I just can't wait to see you, Timothy, greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears. Paul understood that Timothy was praying for him while he was in prison. And I'm sure Paul, while he was in prison, prayed for young Timothy. Perhaps that Timothy wouldn't get arrested. Perhaps that Timothy wouldn't get beheaded. Perhaps that Timothy wouldn't be flayed alive. I can just see Paul praying with tears. He says, I would be mindful of you with your tears and Not only your tears for me, but my tears for you. And he says, that "That was a joyful thing, which is letter E in our paper here. Somehow Timothy's testimony brought to Paul real joy. (coughs) Real joy. (coughs) I think it's wise if you don't have a Timothy or a Tiffany. You're a lady. You want a little Tiffany. I think it's wise if you don't have a Timothy to train or a Tiffany to train, that you pray for one, say, Lord, could you give me a young lady? Now I'm talking, if I was a lady, I'd say, Lord, could you give me a young lady that I can coach, that I can mentor, that I can bring along? And if I was a man, I'd say, Lord, would you give me a young man that I could train and that I could coach and that I could bring along? Um, Somebody's got to do that, And, and I think we should. And I think we should accept the challenge because I don't think we'll regret it, Okay. When I took the church in Euland, Minnesota, I I didn't want to really serve alone because it's hard to go visiting alone. It's hard to do much anything by yourself where two or more are gathered. So I started praying for a Timothy. And before long, uh, the Lord brought a young man to our church who was, his nickname was the refrigerator. He was large. His name was Ryan. And he had, you know, he had muscles and biceps and tattoos and the whole nine yards, nine yards. And had a ponytail and everything else. I mean, he was just a fairly worldly type. But the Lord brought him to church, and he started to grow. And week after week, you'd see little changes in his life and in his testimony. You'd say, Pastor, can I go witnessing with you? Sure, come on along. And uh, he would pray as I would witness. He would just sit there with his hands folded. And, I can't believe the way the Word of God works on people. And I tried my dead-level best to be a good mentor to him. And, and uh, I still... I still talk to young Ryan periodically and uh, I wish he was more faithful in church. He's kind of slowed down a little bit in his Christian life, but uh, I don't regret, don't regret the hours and the hours and the hours I invested in his life and the life of his family. And uh, you pray for a Timothy that can bring you joy. You pray for a Tiffany that you can cry over and watch and see if the Lord doesn't answer that prayer. We should always be a mentor and we should always be mentoring somebody. Roman number two. After we want others to succeed through our prayers and through our tears and through our time for them, with them, then we must maintain a strong faith for the sake of others. Letter A. Strong faith first dwelt first in Timothy's grandmother Lois. We read that earlier in verse number five. And then letter B. That same faith was then passed on to Timothy's mother Eunice. We see that also in verse five. I don't know whether, I don't know exactly how this worked, whether Paul was very influential with Lois first, and then Lois gave it to Eunice, or Paul gave I'm not sure how it worked. But anyway, they had a kindred spirit. They had a, they had a mindset that was the same regarding the Lord. <coughs> and then letter C here, the same faith was then passed on to Timothy. Well, how did that happen? Why did that happen? What were the key elements? Now, this isn't on your paper, so let me give them to you very quickly. They gave their son, Timothy, three things. First of all, between Paul and Eunice and Lois, they gave young Timothy a desire, a desire to be like Christ. You know, i it's one thing for a child to learn biblical disciplines through duty, but it's quite another thing to have your child learn it because they want to learn it. I mean, if you say, son, learn that verse or I'll give you a spanking. They'll probably learn the verse, but they won't be happy about it. But if your son says, Dad, can I learn that verse? Can I can I learn that? No, you got something you can work with. Okay? Desire is very important. Second ingredient of a good faith is discipline. And it's a discipline to learn the Word of God. I'll never forget, I went to, I was saved about two years. I went to a youth conference in Texas. I met a young guy that was 16 years old. And we started talking about these Chick Tracks. You know, these little jack Chick Tracks with all these cartoons. And that kid knew more Bible than than most preachers I had met. And I said, how in the world, how did you learn so much Bible being such a young man? And he says, well, my dad gave me a tape recorder when I was 12 years old and challenged me to listen to the word of God for 15 minutes every morning when I got up and 15 minutes every night before I went to bed. And he says I accepted the challenge at age 12. He says I've been doing that now for 6 years. And he it, it just the scriptures were flowing out of him. And uh that's because he had some discipline. Now you and I we all know that reading the Bible from cover to cover takes discipline. I mean Getting through Leviticus and getting through Numbers and some of those other books is not the easiest thing in the world. But the more you go through it, the more you understand it. The more you can pronounce some of those difficult words. And the more the Word of God gets in you. And before long, Pastor Yoder will be up here preaching and he'll start a verse. and You'll be sitting there and you'll know how to finish it. Not because you've memorized it, but because you've been over it so many times, you'll know how to finish the verse. And it'll surprise you. It'll surprise you that you knew the end of that verse. Those are the kinds of things that take discipline. And, and a little bit of discipline goes a long way when it comes to Bible knowledge. So have some discipline. Have a desire to be like Christ. Paul gave that to Timothy. Paul taught him some discipline. Learn the Word. And then thirdly, a duty. <coughs> well, what was the duty? The duty was to do and to display the Christian life. Paul says, whatsoever things you have learned and received and seen in me, do. We need to be Christian thinkers and we need to be Christian doers, not just Christian talkers. A lot of people can talk it, but they can't walk it. And the way we learn to walk it is we do it. And this is a little bit of duty. And duty's is okay. And duty is kind of a soldiering word. We have about a half a dozen veterans in our church, and they understand duty, guard duty, kitchen duty, KP. We all understand those things. But uh, it's okay for young people to learn some duties. And some of those duties are helpful. And some of those duties become habits. And before long, some of those duties are transferred into desires. And they're no longer a chore anymore. They're pleasant. And so desire, discipline, and duty are very important to a strong faith. (coughs) Timothy got it from his grandmother Lois. And then from his mother Eunice. And this was passed on to Timothy. Roman number three. We must challenge, charge, and confront others. Let's look at the last couple of verses here. Six and seven. Paul says, I want to stir up. Letter A. Stir up the gift of God that he has placed in you. Look at verse six. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting out of my hands. <coughs> Paul was confronting Timothy. Paul said, look, Timothy, you're a young man. You have great confidence in God and God's word. Even though most of your students are older than you, you can do this. Timothy. I want you to stir up that gift you have for ministry. And some of you have gifts and and we need somebody to stir that gift in us so we'll do it. Young lady, boy, can you sing? You should sing some more. It's stirring up that gift. Young man, you're, you're very good at handing out tracks. I appreciate the way you do that. Stir up that gift that's in them. And, uh, sometimes we gotta confront people and get right in their face about that and say, hey, I've noticed that you're pretty good in this area. How would you like to volunteer for this job? And just challenge them a little bit. Charge them a little bit. Uh, not all confrontation is bad and not all confrontation is ugly. Sometimes confrontation is just that little bit of nudge that that Timothy or Tiffany needs so that they will get up in front of others and share the gospel with them. Secondly, let her be. Lay hands on them. Now, I'm not talking about roughing them up. And I'm not even talking about putting hands on people to pray for them so much as I'm talking about work. Work with them. teamwork. How do you lay hands on a young Timothy? Well, pat him on the back. You know, Dr. Doug McLaughlin, one of our professors, used to always say, he said, he said, you got to be careful when you touch people. But he says, when you're dealing with junior high and high school kids, they are starved for a little touch. They're starved for a little pat on the back, a little pat on the head. Sometimes you got to give them a little pat a little lower, but that's another day for another that's another story for another day. But this this little nudge. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Hey, like that car? You know, just kind of a, just a friendship touch. That, that's what we do. How about a handshake? You know, every Sunday we meet new people. I don't know about you, but I'm amazed at all the new people the Lord keeps bringing to the church and just shaking their hand. Something as simple as just shaking their hands is a little touch. And that transmits a little bit of God's love to them. And these things are important. (coughs) And also working with them. Last week we did DVBS. And some of you ladies were about ready to go crazy with all those little kids running around. But you work together. Half a dozen ladies all working together. Half a dozen men working together outside playing games and water balloons and all that other stuff. Working together. That's how we lay hands with other people and on other people. We work with them. Letter C. God does not want us to be fearful. This we get from verse number 7. God has not given us the spirit of fear, He doesn't want us to be fearful. <coughs> Excuse me, I've got a tickle in my throat tonight, which is not going away. I think I had too much pepper on my supper. The Lord wants us to be respectful, have a respectful fear, but not being afraid. We're not to be ashamed of the gospel, we're not to be ashamed of our testimony with the Lord. We're not to be ashamed of the Bible. We're not to be ashamed of church. We shouldn't be fearful about doing the right thing. And then letter D. Rather than being fearful, God gives us power. He gives us love. And he gives us a strong mind. (coughs) Excuse me. A strong mind to do right. That's mental confidence. We can all use a little mental confidence. I know I should witness to that person, but what do I say? Yesterday in the mail, I got a letter from Dusty Johnson. I think I'm the only one in the state that got a letter from Dusty Johnson. Anybody get a letter from Dusty Johnson? Okay. <coughs> I don't know if you noticed, but there's four different addresses on that letter for you and I to respond. Four different addresses. There's one in Washington D.C., there's one in Aberdeen, there's one in Two Falls, and there's one in Pierre, I believe. I might not be. I might not be right. There's anyway. There's four addresses. So I just picked one. I said, well, if he's gonna spend, send a nice personal letter to me, then I'm gonna send a nice personal track to him. So I circled the address on the bottom, and I said, I think if I send it to Aberdeen, he'll get it. So I sent him a, a letter and a track, and then I thought, well, another track, another track, maybe he'll like this, one. I sent him three tracks. And I said, read these. Now my goal is to get a book in his hand, because he's gonna be in town on Tuesday next week, right? Isn't that what I read? Tuesday next week at college, no Dusty Johnson fans? You don't want to go to his tea party? <coughs> well, you don't have to listen to what he says politically, but give him a Bible or something. Give him a book or something. Give him a, give him a scoot along in the right direction, okay? <coughs> oh. This is one reason I don't like technology. Because if you think my cough sounds bad from where you're at, imagine how it sounds in the room over there. It's hard, hard to talk with a microphone have a coffee. We're done here, I think. Letter A was gift, letter B was work, letter C was fearful, letter D is strong mind. Oh, on the very end, doing the hard right thing was in Lois and Eunice and it needs to be in us. They did the hard right thing and they passed the baton properly. And you and I need to do the hard right things and purpose to do the same. Pass what we have of the Lord onto somebody else so they can pass it on to somebody else, and they can pass it on to somebody else. You with me? You learned something? Say amen.